I'm excited to introduce uh, you to our guest today who will help us learn about justice and the transgender community. Maddie Crotzer is a law student at SMU and the host of the Centerpiece podcast, which is an amazing podcast, by the way. Uh, you may remember Sally Gary, uh, who spoke to us a couple years ago, who is the executive director of Centerpiece. Uh, Maddie is a transgender woman and an advocate for justice for transgender folks, and we'll be learning from her perspective and experiences today. Uh, interviewing Maddie is John Ogren, a longtime friend and pastor of Open Table Oak Cliff, of which Maddie is a member. Uh, Open Table is a recently planted, open and affirming churches of uh, Church of Christ. And those of you with backgrounds in Churches of Christ know what a big deal that is. Um, so we we celebrate that. I I think I heard Sally Gary say it's like maybe one of three in the states that could uh, consider themselves such, and hopefully there will be more to come. Uh, a fun fact is uh, that John was my main contact with Storyline's primary supporting church, the South MacArthur Church of Christ, uh, beginning in 2006, way back in the day. Uh, and he was really a catalyst for uh, a lot of the church planning work that South Mac did and has always been the, the kind of guy you just know is in your corner and uh, is a, a cheerleader and a champion for uh, church planning and the mission of God. Um, so I'm grateful for John. I have a, a, a heart heart level connection to him. Um, John has suggested that we see Open Table and Storyline as sister congregations, given our shared connections to Churches of Christ and also our similar values. Um, and I'm all for it, but I think we're going to have to have a potluck before we can call it official. Um, so stay tuned for ways that uh, our paths might cross with uh, Open Table in the future. Uh, Maddie and John, thank you for joining us. The virtual floor is yours. Okay, wonderful. I apologize if it's still sleeting here in my office um, with the sound. <laughs> Um, but uh, I'm going to depart from our script, but only very briefly, just to say that um, I frequently um, offer an invitation to the table very similar to the one that Charles just made. Uh, but I want you to know that it just touched me so deeply um, to hear someone offer that invitation today. And uh, I'm going to tell you that I cheated during the communion prayer. I looked at all your beautiful faces and was just so moved um, to be in the presence of God's saints. And uh, your liturgies have reached my heart. I want to say thank you to Valerie for the gift of silence and a safe place. And I treasured that today. And um, anyway, it's just really wonderful to be among the people of God. And I'm so excited and thankful to be here with my sister Maddie. And I want before we begin, I just want you to know how much I love her and how proud I am of her and how much I see Christ in her and the hand of God on her life. And um, I'm going to let her tell the, her story, but I just uh, want to say that it is a powerful um, exhibition of God's goodness and love and grace. And I'm so um, 
excited for you all to get to know her better. Um, so let's begin, and I'll just start. Uh, I want to thank Charles for the questions that he gave us to meditate on and think about for this interview, and we've chosen just a few of those, but it was really helpful. And the first one is, uh, Maddie, what's your story as a transgender person? Yeah, so um, before I get started, I want to say, um, Jenna, congratulations on, on getting married, and I, uh, I'm very excited for your trip to California. I, um, I was stationed in California on Camp Pendleton for a while, and, you know, it's uh, the most beautiful place in the world as far as I'm concerned. you got mountains uh, 15 minutes in one direction and beach in the other 15 minutes, so I, uh, I'm very excited for you, a little jealous if I'm going to be honest. Um, so I, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me here to, to hear my story. Um, you know, as far as my story is concerned, it's, um, it was one that I didn't think was going to be interesting. If I'm honest, I, uh, I thought that my story was going to be pretty boring. Uh, but then around the age of six, um, you know, I started noticing that I had this kind of tendency to want to play with my sisters, not my, my male friends. And I, I wanted to wear dresses, not the clothes that I had to wear. And so anytime my, my parents would go away, I would, uh, sneak into my sister's room and I would try on some of her clothes. And, you know, that was my favorite time. But then I got to be about 12 and I went through puberty and, you know, I remember seeing myself in the mirror and just thinking, you're disgusting. What is wrong with you? Um, I had started to develop hair. I was looking more like a boy and, um, I hated myself. I absolutely hated myself. And so I, I took off those clothes and I did not, I refused to even consider putting them back on. And then for years I lived with that. Um, I, I absolutely thought that it was past. I thought that I had, I had overcome those, those feelings of wanting to be more feminine. Um, and then I was in the Marines, which as all of you can probably guess is a very feminine place to be. Right. Um, so, so I'm in the Marines and, uh, I was supposed to deploy. Um, and I, I want to give a, a warning for anybody who, um, may have had some, you know, unfortunate encounters with sexual assault. So I, I'm going to be talking about sexual assault in just a moment. So if that's something that's triggering, please feel free to, to mute, you know, your computer for a few minutes and, and come back. But I was in the Marines and I was um, supposed to deploy. I was going to go on a ship. In fact, I was on a ship. And um, three Marines were making fun of another Marine. And I, and I had no idea why at the beginning, but I, um, I found out that it was because he was gay. And so I said something. I told them that was unacceptable, told them not to do it again. And, uh, and I was going to, I was going to be friends with this Marine because clearly he needed it. <sighs> Later that night, um, those three men cornered me in a section of the ship that was pretty isolated, pulled me into a room and took turns raping me. Um, and so I, um, it took me a really long time to accept that that had even happened. Um, I told my, um, my superiors and 
they essentially said, you know, there's nothing we can do because we don't have proof. Um, and they kicked me off of the deployment that I had been working toward. So I had to go home to my then wife. Um, I was too ashamed to tell her what had happened. I didn't tell anybody. In fact, I didn't tell anybody for years. Um, <clears throat> so I thought, you know, I'm having these feelings again where I want to wear women's clothing. Um, I want to, I want to look like a woman. I want to dress like a woman. And I thought, you know, maybe if I wear my shame on the outside, I can leave it there. I don't have to feel my shame on the inside, the shame that I have for my sexual assault, from wanting to be a woman, from all of these things. So so I started wearing women's clothing. And, you know, for a lot of people, it was funny or, you know, it was a joke. But for me, it was very serious. Um, and I, I tried to play it off like it was just something that I was doing for fun. Um... But then uh, my my wife at the time, uh, it began to bother her. So once again, I just put it all away and I tried to ignore it. And I tried to I tried to get rid of it. Um, but there was just part of me that knew that something was different. There was something that was that was wrong with me, or there was something that I couldn't help but but feel every single day. So eventually, I go to law school. And because of all the troubles with my gender identity, um, my wife left. And and frankly, I don't blame her, and I was never particularly upset about it because, you know, she um, she had emotions that she couldn't handle, um, and that was something that she needed to work through. So I go to law school, and I'm depressed, and I'm lonely, and then I decide, you know, I think that I'm I'm just going to have to consider this a little bit longer. And the first friend that I made um, outside of law school, um, I I went to his house, and he was being very sweet. He said all the right things. You know, I had told him about my gender dysphoria, and he, um, he told me, you know, oh, well, you're beautiful, and your wife was an idiot. How She's so, she's so stupid. How could she leave you? You're amazing. Um, and... You know, we had agreed just to be friends and just to talk, but that quickly became very, um, he got very pushy. And before I knew it, um, I was laying face down in a bed, bleeding from my throat, um, from other places. And it was all because the very first person to tell me I was pretty was enough to get me to just do whatever he wanted to do. And after saying no, after saying, please stop, it hurts, he refused. Um, and I froze up. And, you know, these are all things, I, I say all this because these experiences, unfortunately, are extremely common in the transgender community. We feel this need to try to protect people or to find some kind of friendship or love from people that um, we don't truly know. And for those reasons, we're much more susceptible to sexual assault than the the rest of the population. So after that experience, I started trying to make healthier choices, and I became friends with um, the operations manager, actually, at Centerpiece, uh, Megan Green. And you know, we, we became fast friends and, uh, although she wouldn't admit we were best friends for quite some time, we, we did become best friends eventually. And then, um, 
we uh, one day we were sitting and I was telling her about my gender dysphoria and how you know I really wanted to be a girl but I just didn't think of myself as a girl and you know she said hey Maddie um, and she did call me Maddie at the time because uh, I was in such extreme denial that I, I had asked her to call me Maddie I had asked her to use she her pronouns I had asked her to you know have girl time and hang out and I was just certain I wasn't transgender um, which in retrospect is, is pretty funny but she said, hey, Maddie, you know, boys don't wake up and just want to be girls. And it was like a light bulb just clicked on, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, darn, I am transgender. And so, you know, I, I started hormones almost immediately after that. Um, I, I began the process, and and uh, now I'm here talking to all of you about what it what it is to be trans. So... My story went from not particularly interesting to what I think is a very fun story. So, Maddie, thank you for sharing um, so freely uh, uh, from your story. It's really important one for us to hear for so many reasons, and um, it is uh, just beautiful to see um, the role that faith has come to play in your life. And the way that your relationship with God has opened up again and blossomed in uh, recent months. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to see. Um, what are some common myths or misconceptions about the trans community? Yeah. So um, I'll start with probably the most serious one. And that's that um, trans people are predatory. So I don't know if any of you were called whenever um, whenever Target had opened up their restrooms to trans people you know they kind of made an announcement about it and the media kind of took off with it and it was it was a bit of a circus um, there was this um, there was this this trope that arose from it that you know trans women were actually just going to be men wearing dresses to get in there and, and sexually assault little girls. Um, which, you know, on a unfortunate note, is very concerning for the way our, our country looks at the safety of our young boys, but also, um, you know, just, just really disheartening for the trans community because we need to use the restroom and we need to do it in a safe environment. And the restroom is one of the most dangerous places for a trans woman. A men's room is, I should say. Um, and so because of, because of that, and, you know, it goes much further back than the, the target um, issue, but because of that trope, there is um, this kind of myth going around that all trans women are pedophiles. And while to us maybe that seems crazy, there's a, a really large portion of the of the country that just really deeply believes this. In fact, I was at a wedding uh, just a few weeks ago, and I went to the restroom, and there was a changing room. And I, I walked by these two women that were chatting in the changing room area before the restroom, and, and they stopped talking, and they sort of stared at me. And my first thought was, oh my goodness, I just interrupted a very important conversation. <laughs> I'll move along. So I, I go to the restroom, and I and I go to the stall, and I use the restroom, and I get out, and I'm going to go wash my hands. Well, there were about four women waiting in line, 
um, for the men in this uh, Zoom, women have to wait in line to use the restroom. Um, I know that that's kind of a foreign concept, but but there are you know three stalls and a hundred women. So so you know there were four women waiting in line, and then there was a young girl next to one of them. And as I'm walking to go wash my hands, um, they all are kind of staring at me, and the woman closest to the young girl puts her hand on the young girl and pulls her back as if I was going to snatch this young girl and run down 17 flights of stairs and just take her away. Um, and it was devastating. I, I genuinely couldn't enjoy the rest of my night because I was so hurt that somebody thought I would harm this innocent, young, beautiful little girl who, you know, deserves nothing but love. And, you know, so because of that, I am, I'm a, I'm terrified to be around children. I'm terrified that if I'm alone with a child, it's going to come off as, you know, perverted or disgusting or something like that. And, and it's all because of this just absurd trope that, trans women are, for whatever reason, this gateway for, for men to go into restrooms and sexually assault women. Um, that's that's probably the most serious one. Um, the other one, the, the other kind of myth that I wanted to discuss was um, the, the one that because somebody is particularly manly, they cannot be a trans person. So um, one one of my friends that is also trans, he grew up, um, and I say he because he's a transgender man, he grew up um, kind of being forced to wear feminine clothing and, and dresses and stuff. And whenever, um, whenever he was finally able to start transitioning and be himself, nobody really questioned that. Nobody was really like, Oh yeah, I mean it makes sense that, or I'm sorry, it doesn't make sense that you would you would be transgender, you know, you you wore feminine clothing. So I'm not sure why it is that with trans women, um, people are often very skeptical. But whenever I came out, it had been after years and years and years of occasionally wearing women's clothing, talking about my gender dysphoria. Nobody was very surprised, but. There were a lot of people that were in denial. A lot of my family told me, no, there's absolutely no way you're transgender. You were in the Marines. You were a corrections officer. Um, you lift weights. Um, for the women in the Zoom call, apparently you cannot lift weights. Uh, I'm so sorry to, to inform you, but um going to need you to cancel your, your 24-hour uh, fitness membership. Um, but anyway, that's I think those are the two most common myths, just... This disgusting notion of, of pedophilia in the trans community and this this very odd obsession with demanding pure femininity from transgender women. Trans women are just like any other woman. We can be muscular, we can love football, we can do whatever we want to do and just still be women. Um, but to, to demand pure femininity is also just to be to be very rude to women generally, not just trans women, but it's it's to say that, you know, a woman's role is to, to be dainty and wear dresses and, you know, mother children, and that is absolutely it. So 
I think that those are probably the, the two most important to me. Oh, thank you. That's really helpful and important for all of us to hear. Um, I'm going to combine a couple of questions because we're at the point when we had kind of planned to go to Q&A, but I want to sure. set up the Q&A with a little bit more from you, Maddie. And uh, so the, the questions that we'll put together are, what injustice do you see in our city and state right now toward the trans community? And also, what does it look like to work for justice for the trans community in our city, ways that people could participate? So if you could fold those together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the biggest injustices right now, so for any of you that don't know, the only reason that transgender women, well, transgender people, have an absolute right to health care is because of the Biden administration's interpretation of Obamacare. Now, what I mean by that is Obamacare says that there's this penalty for um, for denying tra- uh, people health care based on their sex. And sex can either be interpreted as somebody's gender expression or it can be interpreted as their you know, genitalia and chromosomes. And um, I don't mean to get particularly political here, so I I apologize for anybody if this is, um, you know, uncomfortable. But what the reason I bring this up is because um, let's let's just go back a few months. Um, We we got a tweet from President Trump saying, you know, our official interpretation is going to be that sex is based on biological... um, biological sex. So immediately following this, trans people started getting denied health care at, um, at hospitals. And I mean, this is not just, you know, hormones. This is not just kind of general health care. This is actual, you know, necessary, immediate health care. Um, and there's no penalty for this. At that, at that point, there was no penalty because of this interpretation of Obamacare. So the reason I bring that up is because the the rights of trans people are very, very dependent on interpretations at this point. And that's for any law, for the Constitution, for anything. Um, for those of you that don't know, we actually only got our constitutional right to employment last year um, in a landmark decision and, and by predominantly Trump appointed judges. So again, you know, for anybody that's, um, that's leans more right, this isn't meant to be political. So injustice right now for the trans community is putting our fate on a year to year basis in the hands of politicians. And I think that fighting for justice looks a lot like electing people that are going to be most helpful to the trans community in getting grounded, solidified, codified laws that um, allow us to just exist and not be concerned about the next administration's interpretation of the law. Ways that, uh, yeah, okay, I, I hear, I hear it. Yep. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's uh, take some. If if folks have questions for Maddie. We have some time um, to hear those and for Maddie to respond. And I, I want to just let y'all know beforehand, a lot of people, um, their first question to me, and this is this is real, their first question to me is, so did you get the surgery? Um, or my favorite is, are you in tax down there? <laughs> Which is a, a very odd question. But 
Um, I want you all to know that I actually am comfortable at answering absolutely any questions, whether that be about my body, whether that be about the trans community in general, so please feel free to ask me absolutely anything. It's not going to bother me. I think I scared them away, John. No, no, no. This this church is comfortable with silence. We know that. Yeah. Sorry, is it okay if I ask a question? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, really beautiful as a gift, so thank you. Thank you. Um, can you tell me about, like, what's your faith journey been like um, and your experience of church and... That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so whenever I was younger, um, I tell this story pretty frequently. So if you have, if you do end up listening to the Centerpiece podcast, I'm very sorry because you're going to hear the story a lot. But whenever I was really young, um, I was a Southern Baptist girl. I went to I went to church with my grandma. It was actually mostly to hang out with my grandma, but I went to church because if I wanted to spend the night at grandma's house, that was the rule. Um, and one day, I was at church in. Um, this woman who had checked me out at Albertsons a million times, um, and my grandma often said that she was my girlfriend, she walks in and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my friend. And she walked in with her girlfriend. And um, to a eight-year-old little kid, that meant nothing to me. I didn't care. I mean, I just saw my friend. Um, and she came and she sat down in a pew a few rows ahead of me. And the pastor, at some point, was tipped off that there was a lesbian couple in the congregation. Stopped his service and just went on this homophobic rant and said, it ended it with, so if you're a gay or a lesbian, get out. So I had to watch this poor girl and her girlfriend just get up sobbing and awkwardly shuffle through the pews and just walk all the way out the door Um and then he just continued as if it was just like nothing. So my understanding of, of sexuality and gender identity was just that it wasn't allowed to be different than what you were born as. So you had to be straight. You had to be cisgender. Um, and so I, I was I, uh, perhaps fortunate that whenever I was in the military, I actually fell out of faith. And that was... That was honestly before I had really wrestled with my gender identity, although it was there. Um, but then whenever I did transition, I thought, well, I guess that's actually it. I mean, I kind of have to put the cap on that. And then I was fortunate enough to meet the wonderful people at Open Table at Cliff. Um, I actually went because um, my my now girlfriend um, just you know wanted somebody to go with her. So I started going, and then... All of a sudden, I started getting more involved and more involved and more involved, you know. And at some point, we were we were doing worship, and I just felt this this tug in my chest, and I I really wanted to ignore it. I really wanted to just kind of pretend it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh gosh, Maddie, you can't be a hypocrite. If you if you feel something, you have to explore it." So I did, and then actually, just um, a few months ago, I came back to faith and I am I am being baptized in just a a, about a week um John's gonna baptize me 
so yeah, that that I mean that's my fate story in a nutshell. But it's it's a very exciting time for me. Thank you, Sarah. We probably have time for another question if if, if there's one more. And that's a good place to rest too. Um, uh, we do have one other question for Maddie, which is. Um, as a community that desires to learn more about the experiences of our trans friends and neighbors, where can we go to learn more? What resources do you recommend? I'm sorry, I got I was very I was very interested in Spider Man coming on screen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I missed uh, that. <laughs> uh, so so um, if you if you want to kind of get involved or to to find other um, especially faith based um, places to go. First, I would recommend going to the Centerpiece website because they do have a, a lot of resources for um, for the queer community generally, and they do have things on there about the trans community. Um, but also, I would check out the Transmission Ministry Collective. So Austin Hartke is a transgender man, and he wrote a book called Transforming. Um, and uh, the book is about being a transgender Christian. He's a biblical um, scholar. He is a biblical scholar, yes, and uh, he's brilliant. Um, he uh, So he wrote this book, and actually out of that book, he got so much request for some kind of ministry that he started the Transmission Ministry Collective. And uh, he has an entire page dedicated to resources for um, trans community, for trans justice, for trans resources. So I, w- I would recommend going there and, and checking that out. Maddie, thank you for sharing so authentically about your life and God's work in your life. Um, we just love you and uh, praise God for you. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Um, unfortunately, I have, uh, I have to check out of this hotel that I'm in in exactly 11 minutes. So I have to run, but I, I really appreciate all of you listening to my story, and it was really wonderful to meet all of you. Y'all are a beautiful community, and I can I absolutely, like like Jenna said, I can I can feel Christ in this Zoom call. So thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you so much. Hey, Charles, I'm really looking forward to this potluck. Hey, me too. Yes, oh, we have to make it happen, that. Yeah. I mean, open table, Churches of Christ. I couldn't think of any better way to commemorate, you know, congregational sisterhood. Um, we, we do have a time after our messages uh, that we call mission prayers, where uh, we pray for our participation, um, battles and breakthroughs we're experiencing in mission. And uh, this month we have taken this opportunity to pray for those who have shared with us. Um, and so, uh, John, particularly in Maddie's absence, I wonder, you know, what are, what are ways, uh, that we can pray for you and for open table? You're, uh, you're a relatively new church in Oak Cliff. Um, and I, can I just pause and say, um, I just, I don't know, uh, God bless you for being the kind of community where, individuals like Maddie can find faith again. Like I just, how beautiful. And I just, I praise God for 
the fruit of the spirit and for the hospitality of open table, uh, you are, uh, you're doing some amazing work just even in Maddie's story. And I'm, I just, it thrills me. So how, how can we pray for, for you and for open table? And even to the extent you would want to invite us to pray for, for justice with and, uh, within the transgender community, I'll just open the floor to let you hear what's on your mind. Thank you. I'd like to add, um, and this is frequently a part of Maddie's story, um, that and, and rooted in the very painful story from her, her church experience as a child. Um, but Maddie, for many years, was a militant atheist. Um, she had really checked out uh, when it comes to religion and Christianity and God. And so um, you all, I just want to remind you all that the role of an open and affirming community where people can come and be themselves and be loved and accepted is a powerful way that the Holy Spirit is working uh, to, 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 for the good news to come to fruition in people's lives. And um, so, uh, uh, you know, we are, Open Table Oak Cliff is kind of coming out of our COVID crouch. Um, you know, it's been a tough time to start a new congregation. Um, but, uh, and, and we are now, like Maddie was saying, uh, we have hybrid gatherings. There's folks that gather in our home just recently again. And then folks that are joining us online from around the country and actually even the world. And, um, so that's really stretching our imagination of what a congregation is. And, um, so we need, um, we need, a fresh and spirit-led imagination for this um, kind of new way of being church that has come to us. Uh, we um, started off uh, with a small group of discerning folks that were kind of scattered across the Metroplex. Um, it was a really big deal for us to claim Oak Cliff in our name. Um, but, uh, and so there is a commitment to place, uh, in our name and in our, our dr- identity and dreams. Um, but I would say the biggest thing you could pray for us, uh, is just that God would open doors for us to build connections in Oak Cliff and to develop, um, some dialogue with neighbors and some ways of, uh, even sharing in some life and ministry, uh, a little, a, a little better in our community would be, uh, wonderful thing to pray for us thank you got it well let's pray about that Uh, God thank you for uh, the gift of getting to hear John and Maddie share to get to hear Maddie's story her uh, her vulnerability uh, to hear even the heartbreaking aspects of her story and the challenges that transgender people face um god we know that you see them and love them and um, are at work for their good and god we pray would you open our eyes to ways you are inviting us to join you there lord we're thankful for john and for open table and for um uh, for the gift of a community they are to people like Maddie um, and to their neighbors in Oak Cliff. We pray both for wisdom to know how to engage um, this new hybrid reality with um, 
with people connecting from all over uh, the world through Zoom? Um, would you give them grace as and wisdom and new imagination from your Holy Spirit as they um, as they respond to uh, what's in front of them? Um, would you also give them grace and imagination as they seek to uh, uh, to be uh, faithfully present in their locality of Oak Cliff? Um, would you would you show them what you're up to there? Would you open doors for their participation for places where they can show up as the guest and to uh, receive your hospitality through their neighbors. Um, Lord, I'm excited to see uh, what the what the way forward holds for um, for open table. Uh, would you continue to use them as as an open table for their neighbors um, here in Dallas and uh, from wherever else you might send folks their way? In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.